It's good to see everyone here, and it's uh, nice to be back over here in the Jennings Family Ministry Building. And uh, hopefully you're going to notice a little bit of a difference, and uh, I'll tell you about that in just a second. But first of all, we want to welcome you here to the service. If you are visiting with us today, it's an honor to have you here, and we would encourage you before you leave to do a couple things. One is to fill out a guest card. One way you can do that is if you've got a bulletin, there's a care card in there. You can fill that out and uh, leave that in one of the baskets at the door as you leave. Another way, if you didn't get a bulletin, we'd still love to have a record of your visit. Please stop by our guest table in the lobby. We have a guest table there with some information. We have a guest bag we would love for you to take. There's also a guest card out there, but we would love to know who you are, know how we can serve you better, answer any questions that you may have. And uh, we'll, we'll don't rush out of here, and we encourage you not to. We'll be available after the service if you'd like to talk. But uh, we would like to uh, just say a word about our sound system. We've had about two hours max work on it. Uh, it's been installed and probably you can already tell a bit, a bit of a difference especially on the sides but we have a lot of tweaking to do so we would like your feedback you can let myself Sharon or Ashley know of anything that may need to change or what you're hearing because we want to make sure it's as best as it can be and make sure it's clear and everybody can understand so uh, please give us your feedback as we meet over here and make those adjustments 
I also want to mention we have a Sunday school conference coming up. Mark had a chance to plan this with the state. We've got some representatives coming in, and we're going to continue with that conference on November 10th. It's a Thursday evening. If you are a Sunday school teacher in any of our departments, we'll have specific training for you on that Thursday night. It'll be at 6 o'clock for supper. 6.30 to 8.30 will be the conference according to your department. And uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. And if you could just contact the church office if you did not receive a text yet to confirm that you're going to be a part of that. And we'll tell you more about that as we go. But we're going to ask everyone to stand and just give a Taylor's a wave or nod or point. Uh, we're not shaking hands, but uh, welcome one another to the service.
know this is a time that we set aside in our service to pray. And last week and this week, next week, I'm going to be praying about reaching the lost and our great need to do that. So part of the prayer time today at this invitation, or not the invitation time, but prayer time, I would encourage you to come and bring uh, with you a lost person's name. And let's pray for that lost person. I oftentimes say this, and it's not just preacher talk. What do you expect God to do this week because of what you prayed last week? And one of the things we should expect God to do is save people, right? That's what we should do. So if you love somebody, one of the greatest things you can do is pray for that person, number one. And number two, share the gospel with them. Now, I know that you have needs. I know our church very well. And you can come as a family and pray for that. But one aspect of this prayer time, I want us to pray for the lost. So as the praise team and the choir leads us at this time, will you meet me here at the altar? And let's lift up lost names to the Lord this morning. Father, of all the things that we could pray for and pray about, Lord, nothing is more important than lost people being saved. And Father, all across this sanctuary this morning, I pray that you'd hear the names of the people that are being lifted up silently. Father, we pray that you'd save them. Lord, use us. Use our influence. Lord, use circumstances. Holy Spirit, convict. Father, I pray that we would be equipped to share the gospel, to share the gospel with the lost and dying world. Lord, I want to thank you in my life personally for the people that prayed for me in a service just like this. Father, I'm the product of their prayers, and I want to thank you. And Lord, I want to see people in my life come to know Jesus as well because of not just my influence or sharing the gospel, but, Lord, because of the power of prayer. Lord, there are people in this church that need your touch physically. Lord, we have loved ones who can't, members of our church who cannot be here. They would be here if they could, but they're physically unable. And Lord, I pray that you'd touch them. Be with their families. Lord, for, the, for our members who are in the hospital, Jesus, we pray that you'd be the great physician and touch their bodies. Father, for those among us who are struggling emotionally, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage them. For those that are discouraged, Lord, bring great encouragement. Father, for those who need your touch financially, Jesus, I pray that you'd open doors. Father, I'm just amazed at how this church, how generous this church is to its members. And I want to personally thank you for that. And Lord, we want to thank you for our church, for this service. Father, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified. I pray that because of this service today, the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted and your kingdom would be expanded. Father, help us just not to meet together, but Lord, help us to meet with you. And we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do for our church, in our lives, and in our community. And we want to tell you that we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said together, amen.
be seated. They say sometimes you win some, and sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now, I'm losing bad. I've stood in this place time after time, reminding the broken it'll be all right. But right now, Oh, right now I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? I know you're able and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing, a little faith. All I have right now. But God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be able to sing. It is well with my soul. I know you're able, and I know you can save through the fire. Just say the words, but it 
Was that not a blessing? Thank you so much, choir. I want to thank uh, Sharon for all her hard work. And, you know, I'm 52 years old. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but I'm getting older. And if I could sing at all and I was not a pastor, I'd be in this choir. Would you not? I want to encourage you. Listen, if you, if you uh, feel like you want a place to serve or a place where you can bring God honor and glory, I appreciate our choir. What they do on Sunday mornings is just as important as what I do. So thank all you who sing in the choir. Uh, thank you, Sharon, for your hard work. Uh, thank you for those of you who choose to use your talents and gifts in the local church. I just really, really respect that. Thank you so much. A couple of announcements as everyone's getting seated. Class 101 is tonight. Uh, it'll be in the conference room over there to my right. We'll start at 5 p.m. Uh, sharp, so please come here um, if you can. If you haven't signed up, that's fine. Um, you, can, uh, you can still come anyway. Uh, because of that, there'll be no adult Bible study, excuse me. We will have Awana and student ministry and those different things. I would encourage you to pray for our students. They'll be heading back from South Carolina, I think, here in just a few moments, but they'll be back here uh, tonight. On November 20th, we're going to have a baptism. That's when our next service will be in the sanctuary. So if you're a candidate for baptism, please contact the church office um, so that we could have a record of that, and we'll set up that baptism for you. And then on November the 27th, if you have your bulletin, turn to the back where the numbers are, if you will, and look at the loan payoff. And Kevin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's $39,000 is what we owe. Now, this building is a $4.5 million building, okay? Probably non-commercial, I guess one of the biggest buildings that's been built in Alexander County. We're just so thankful. On November the 27th, that morning we'll be in here, we'll have the Lord's Supper that morning, but we're also going to have a celebration because this building's going to be paid for. Is that not a blessing? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So thankful for that. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. When, when I walk, I have the privilege of working in this building, right? This is all a God thing. This is not human manufactured. This is not like... We had this great, great vision that God, that, that we just worked this out. No, this is a God thing. Every step of this building is a God thing. Every bit of it. We're going to talk about that that morning. I'm going to ask Brother Steve. Uh, we had a lot of meetings about this building, didn't we, Steve? I don't know how many. I think I started challenging our deacons to give in 2006 to the building fund. It's amazing. We had about $70,000 in our building fund. We'll, we'll talk about that on that day. This is a celebration of what, what God can do in and through the life of the church. I'm also going to share you missions-wise and benevolence-wise, all that we did during that time, and also all the things that we did to the other buildings. People just don't realize uh, what all has been done here. 
And uh, so we're just so thankful. I'm thankful for your faithfulness to give. Okay, nobody makes you give. Um, I don't know what anybody gives in this church but myself. But I want to thank you so much for your uh, faithfulness to give here at East Hazel Baptist Church. I, I'll say this without hesitation. Um, the most generous people in the most generous church, in my opinion, in the world is East Hazel Baptist Church. I've just seen it so many times. If you could sit where I sit and uh, see how God has blessed people um, individually and families and, and just ministries and missionaries and different things like that. So thank you so much. So, so we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, Baptism-wise, I think this will be the most baptisms we've had in a year in probably about eight years, I think. And probably the, most, uh, the highest number of people joining will be joining this year. So thank you so much for that. Uh, we've been going through a series called Questions and Answers. I've been going through it for about six months. We've been talking about angels and demons. We talked about angels. What are they? What, 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 is, what is an angel's ministry to believers? What is an angel's ministry to unbelievers? Today we're going to look at this simple thought, are demons real? Okay, Are they real? Are they make-believe? Make are they real? And then next week we're going to look at what is a doctrine of demons? Okay. You know, we looked at, when we talked about angels, that angels preach the gospel in the book of Revelation. Very orthodox uh, gospel presentation in the book of Revelation. Well, the angels have, or demons have their own gospel as well. And they have their own churches. Okay. But today we're going to look at a demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5. Very familiar past story. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. And we'll look at this together. If you'll stand with me in honor and respect for God's word. Great story of transformation. That's what I see in this story. Notice verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now that would have a little pause with the Jewish people. Okay, just a totally different part of the country is the Gadarenes. Okay, it's kind of like when you go north of Vashti. Right up in there, that's kind of like where it is. And when he had come out of the boat immediately, notice this is Jesus' life. He goes to the other side to rest. In the, in the Sea of Galilee, he's in a storm, all right? The disciples thought they were going to die. He shows them, I'm sovereign over storms, and he calmed the storm. He goes to the other side. Finally, he lands to the other side, and immediately, there met him a man. There met him out of the tombs. Now, notice this, two words, a man. Now, I want you to think about this, he tells them. Mark calls him a man, Okay? So we're dealing with a person. See, you'll never witness to people that are unlike you unless you see them as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. Okay? See, sometimes you'll see somebody and you'll see an addiction. Or you'll see their past. Or you'll see this, that, or the other. But God, Jesus saw a man. Very important. A man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him. Look at the words no one. You know what that means in the Greek? This is unprecedented. That's what the word no one means. When, when, when God uses terms, okay, he, he don't just say them to say them. He means no one. No one. It's unprecedented this man's strength. It says no one could bind him. Not even with chains, because he, was all, he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him and shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. Notice those words. That's what you do to an animal. 
And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with the stones. When Jesus, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Isn't it amazing how demons have better theology than the average liberal church in America? This is, this is straight out of the Old Testament terms for the Messiah. Look. Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons, now all the demons are speaking, begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine, so those who fed the swine fled, excuse me, and they told it to the, in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were very afraid. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, as a church, Lord, we honor, respect, and bless your word. Lord, we sing your word, pray your word, preach your word. Father, we believe that your word will not return void. So what that means is, Lord, if the word is preached in context, that those watching online today or tomorrow or next week or a month from now, Lord, those in this congregation, Lord, you can help us. Lord, you have a word for each and every one of us. When it comes to people that are demon-possessed, spiritual warfare, Lord, the law, so much is in this passage. And Father, I pray that we, wouldn't, that we would apply it to our lives. Father, you have a plan and purpose for each of our lives. And Father, I pray that we would submit to it today. And we'll forever thank you and praise you for what you're doing. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray once again. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When it comes to demons, uh, I'm just going to read some, some quotes, not only from the Bible, but from some scholars that I really appreciate and pastors. Demons are spiritual beings hostile to and at war with God and God's children. In the New Testament, it's seen over and over, they vexed and tormented humans. Jesus, talking about demons and devils, he talked about hell and eternal fire in Matthew 25. And he said, hell and eternal fire is for the devil and his angels. So the devil has angels. Revelation 12, 19, talked about Satan and his angels. Matthew 12, 24, Satan is called Beelzebub, the prince of demons. It is said of Mary Magdalene in Luke's gospel. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had came out. Demon possession and demon activity is very real. It's a supernatural activity. It was very common in Jesus' day. And the reason we know that is because we have four Gospels that record it. Okay? And you can take it to the bank. All right? it, it, and as Jesus goes to the cross, it increases. Demon possession is, has been called this, a satanic takeover of a life that does not know God. Demon possession is a condition where one or more demons inhabit the body of a human being all for the purpose of controlling and destroying their lives, which has been made in the image of God. Satan's goal, Jesus said that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his three purposes. He knows what his goal is. Remember, he's the one that questioned God about Job. He said, touch his wife, touch his family, touch his body, and he'll curse you. All right? And God said, do it. 
And Job lived out the song that the choir just sang. Even if, even if God, you don't answer my prayer, I'll still believe in you. Amazing story. But Satan's, Satan's goal is to attack anything in the image of God. Your body is. Marriage is. Gender is. Right? The gospel is. Children are. Isn't it amazing that in the Old Testament, when these false uh, the countries, these pagan countries who worship false gods, when they wanted to worship their God, it always involved child sacrifice. Children made in the image of God who could grow up to bring honor and glory to God, let's cut them out first. Isn't it amazing how, how demons in the Bible always want to attack the image of God? Demons in the Bible and Satan hates the church. That's why probably, if you think about it, some, a place where gossip should not be is where the church. But I would bet in most churches, there's probably as much gossip as there is glorifying God in the average Southern Baptist Church. I don't know about the rest of them. Okay, Why? Because it's so easy to do what Satan wants us to do. Demon possession takes over the person's personality and mind. This man's personality and mind have been taken over. A new voice and different voice speaks oftentimes. They have new power. As a result, the demonized person may suffer in any number of ways. In the Bible, you see a full range of affliction. All this is from the Bible. Look at all these things that demons do to the body because the body's made in the image of God. Mutinous, blindness, epilepsy, suicide, deformity, insanity, derangement, masochism, depression, committing murder, spreading false doctrine, occult practices, luring into immorality, adultery, pedophilia, drugs, perverting the Bible, opposing God's work, hindering God's servants, performing wonders and miracles, Deceiving nations, tempting and ensnaring believers. In the Bible's demons are called by various names here. Jesus calls this, these demons unclean spirits. They're also called deceitful. They're called powers. They're called principalities. Demons operate in the power of the kingdom of darkness and influence and try to wreak havoc on the church. They, orchest they are orchestrated and headed by the archangel Lucifer or Satan. Jesus said this, he said, When I came into the world, I came to destroy the works of the devil. There's one devil and many demons. Genesis 3.16 says and prophesied that Jesus would come and crush the head of the serpent. Jesus in John's gospel said this, Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world, talking about Satan, will be cast out. Paul talking about the great things that were done on the cross to the church at Colossae. And Colossians 2 said that when Jesus was on the cross, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. He says, in this way, he disarmed, listen to this world, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, talking about demons, he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. We should expect to see what we witness in this section of Scripture today. And then one final word. Demons are real and launch fiery darts. Paul told the church at Ephesus, he says, a final word in Ephesus 6. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Think about that. Paul was a believer in spiritual warfare. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Think about that. You're not fighting against people. There's something behind the people. It's never the people. That's why, that's why when Mark writes this gospel, he says a man. The man wasn't the problem. It was what was inside the man that was the problem. 
See, the answer for just about everything that you're facing and I'm facing is Jesus. just is. Look, he goes, but against evil rulers, evil rulers that you can't see and authorities of the unseen world. You can't see them. But he says they're there. Against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You don't even realize what's going on above you, do you? We don't, do we? That's why you need to put on the full armor of God. He says, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, church, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And what he's saying is this. In your life, in your life, there'll come a time, that's a season, of evil against you. A time, a season. It's not going to be forever, but it's a season. You know, I say this all the time. You're going through a season. Sometimes your finances are good. Sometimes they're not. Amen? Sometimes your emotions are good, right? You're just happy all the time. And you people make me sick, by the way. I'm just kidding. And then sometimes you don't feel good, right? You just don't. Then there's sometimes things just don't seem to go right. I mean, everything goes wrong. You know, your, your whatever goes out, your washer and dryer messes up, your car messes up, you're late for work, they want to fire you. It's a season, okay? And what, and what Paul promises us is this. There's going to come a season in your life when you're attacked because you're a Christian, made in the image of God. And Satan hates you because of what you could do or what you're doing. All right? What you could do or what you're doing. That's why you put on the form of God. That's why church attendance is so important. I was talking about this yesterday at a wedding, and I said, you know, I appreciate online. I really do. I have friends who watch online who are just not church people. Thank God that they're watching and I love you guys, by the way. But is there not something about meeting together with people you know and love? You just, you just can't beat it, in my opinion. There's nothing that compares to what's going on here in this church and all around the world where Christians are meeting together to learn about Jesus and to worship. There's just nothing to it. And Satan will do everything in his power to keep you from doing just that. Just one hour. Think about that. One hour. One hour. We're together, and he'll do everything in his power to keep you from it. Well, let's notice this, just a few things, and I'll try to hurry. Notice first thing, the man. Notice verses 1 through 3 on the screen. We'll look, read these together. Then they came to the other side of the sea, because Jesus left with the disciples to go rest. To the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately, this is Jesus' ministry, the last three years of his life, which are in the four Gospels, it's one thing after the other. Could you imagine being Jesus? I just can't imagine. I know what it's like being a pastor. You know? Just one thing after the other. Immediately, immediately, there made him out of the tombs. I just love those two words. Can't get over it. And I'll say this again. If you don't see people this way, you'll never have the heart of Jesus. You just won't. You just won't. You'll see, you'll, you'll, you'll see this. You'll see a lesbian. You'll see a gay guy. You'll see a drunk You'll see a pothead. You'll see, I hear this all the time. Oh, he's a crackhead. No, that's somebody's son, right? That's somebody's daddy. It really is. Oh, he's a prisoner. Oh, is he? No, when I went to the prison last time, I spoke to 25 men. One of the best services I've been in. Men. That's what I saw. I saw dads. I saw husbands who made a mistake, who had a season of evil in their life, and they failed. You know what? It's okay. Do you realize we mess up? And the one place you should be able to come is this church and not be judged. 
because you're a man or you're a woman or you're a girl or you're a teenager. Teenagers, you can come to me. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. You can come to this preacher. And if you're in any church in Alexander County and you mess up, you can come to this preacher. Because I'm going to see you for who you are. There's potential in your life. And just because you had a season, it don't have to define you. Amen? Luke and Matthew and Mark say he was a man. Church, they're men. He was naked in the tombs cutting himself. But he was a man. He was a man. Over and over again, I can't stress that importance. That's why I called this point the man. We have to see him as the man. Look, he was living. He was, notice, dwelling among the tombs. Show this picture real quick, Michael. See, on the other side of the sea, there's a mountain. Down the mountain, there's a plateau. It's there today. And there, there are caverns in there. And inside those caverns, look, are caves. Inside that, inside that hole right there, there are other tombs. That's where dead people were. It's just what you did back then. Okay? And this man's living there. You can go online and look these up. He's coming out of there. If anybody came into that area, he would go out and try to kill them, basically. He was gnashing himself, cutting himself. All right? He was cutting himself because demons try to destroy anything in the image of God. That's why suicide is so high. Because people get through a, they, they got this season of their life. They, they listen to the devil because the battle fills their mind. And then, and then just for one moment, they think they can get pleasure just for one moment. Suicide is just, for young people, is so high. Isn't it sad? It's so high because they got that one moment, that one Friday night or Saturday night. And I always tell people, I've talked to people, a bunch of people, and I'd say, look, just get through tonight. Call me in the morning. I'll come over. Just get through tonight. I bet you tomorrow will be different. Right? This man was cutting himself. What do you think he was trying to do? He was trying to kill himself. Okay, go back to the verse, first verse, Michael. Look, and it says this, he made his dwelling among the tombs, and if you study the, the three other times it's mentioned, the townsfolk came out, and they tried to bind him in chains. They tried to tame him. Look at the word tame in there. Like you do a horse. That's all they knew to do. They were doing all they knew to do. And he would run out, and guess what happens? He would break the chains like this. He was, one, one person said at this time in his life, I want to read this quote and get it right. From a pastor I really respect, if I can find it. This person, what he did was, he said he was the meanest, foulest, most perverse, most perverse, wicked, scariest, strongest person on the planet at that time. That word no one means it's no one. That's how supernaturally powerful demons are. No, no group of men chains when it says he broke the chains it was like paper okay so you're it was the strongest man on the planet think about that the most at this time the most evil vilest man on the planet what if he was the best looking smartest wealthiest most influential man on the planet you know the answer for that guy is jesus it is jesus is the answer for everything if you have jesus and you're in prison preaching the gospel you have the answer if you have jesus and you're in a room full of phds and whatever and they're lost and you have the gospel, you have the gospel, you have the answer for what they need. This man just needed Jesus. Notice, think about this for a moment. Notice, notice when the demons see Jesus. Notice the second thing here, the Christ. Verse 6 says this. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran. Notice the word ran. Okay? That means that he was running at Jesus, 
like he was everybody else, because he ran after everybody else. And then when he's in the presence of Jesus, now the Bible tells us in Isaiah's gospel that Jesus was not a person that you would look at and go, man, he's good looking. I want to be around that sharp looking guy. It says he wasn't. He's just a normal, average looking dude. Okay? Like us. So they ran to him, but there was something different about this man. Now, he never met Jesus. This man never met him. He's in that area of the Gadarenes. Look, he ran. That means he sprinted as fast as he could this, with supernatural speed. And, I love the word and, when they get in the presence of Jesus, there's only one response, is worship. Notice that word worship. It means to bow down. It literally means to kiss the ring. You know, if somebody says, kiss my ring, you know, that means it, I'm submitting to you. It means to worship in great respect, fear, and reverence. Think about that. This man who's nude, gashing himself, he's crying out night and day, shrieking out. He runs to Jesus when he sees him and he worships. And he cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you? You know what he's saying? We're just totally different. It's kind of like in the Gospels when Jesus calmed the storm and one of the disciples is recorded as saying, what manner of man is this? He says, we're just different. Something's different about Jesus. This demon comes in his presence and said, what do I have to do with you? It, look, this is a sign of respect. And then he says this, Jesus, son of the most high God. Jesus, son. God in flesh is what he's saying. He's saying, you're, the, you're him. You're, you're the son. You're, you're the Messiah that they've been talking about. One of the greatest testimonies in all the New Testament is right here from a naked guy in a graveyard. The demons are speaking through him and they say, you, Jesus, you're the son of the most high God. Look at that most high God, which means this. All the gods of the Philistines are false. All the gods of the Canaanites are false. These are the demons, right? All the gods of the Babylonians are false. All the gods of the Muslims are false. All the gods of the Buddhists are false. That's what he's saying. God, there's one God, the God of Jacob and Isaiah, the God that is Jesus, and he says this. No, notice they start praying, I beg you. Notice he's talking to Jesus. Jesus, I beg you by God. Gracious, what a statement. I beg you by the God of heaven, the only true God, that you do not notice, torment me. Look at the word torment. It's the same word the rich man used in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, where the beggar died and the angels carried him and Lazarus was buried. He says, and in the flame he was, look at the word torment. That is the picture of every lost soul. It's the, it's the, it's the, uh, it's not my opinion. It's the words out of Jesus' mouth. That, that being in hell is torment and the demons know it. That you do not torment me. What they were saying is this. Do not send us to the abyss. Do not send us to the, to the bottomless pit. I think Matthew records it as do not send us before our time. Just delay judgment, Jesus. We know it's coming. Okay? Could the demons have repented then? Oh, yeah. Just like you could today if you're lost. You can repent today and be saved today. But so many people don't. Do not torment me, Jesus. It's amazing. Their eschatology is so good. They know that there's coming a final judgment. And they noticed, but notice this, they ran and they worshiped Jesus. Paul tells us this is going to happen at the end of time. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every, that word every means of all time. 
from the first person born to the last person born, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That includes everybody of all time. And every tongue, it doesn't matter what language you speak, and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's what they're doing. The Lord's brother says this about our faith. He says this, You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Oh, the demons are orthodox in their belief. There's no, there's no liberal theology among Satan and his crew. They've been in God's presence. They've been in his presence. Jesus, the most high God. And then verse 8, notice the, the, notice the power of Jesus. And it's not going to be on the screen. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered by saying, my name is Legion. And we all know what a legion is, is 6,000 Roman soldiers. That's what a legion is. They were the best of the best in Rome. They were the Navy SEALs of Rome. And the demon said, the demon, one spokesperson, he was a leader because they're principalities and powers, they're rulers. And the spokesperson says, oh, we're, we're legion. It means a bunch. See, it's one time he speaks, and then the other times they all speak. Can you imagine all these voices coming out of this man? But Jesus has the power, and he says, come out. He speaks the word. No formula. You don't need a priest. You don't need a seance. That's foolish stuff, is it not? Come on, people. You don't hold up a cross. Now, if I saw a vampire, I'd probably try it. I'd hold up the cross first, and then I'd get the cig out. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, think about this. No formula. Jesus speaks the word, and it happens. See, when you pray, if Jesus wanted to, it happens. When Jesus healed people, he healed them this way. When he healed them, that way. It just happened. He speaks the word, and the man comes out. Now, notice the, the third thing here, and I'm going to hurry. Notice the pigs. Now, we know cats are demon-possessed, right? I mean, that's a that's scientific fact. But the de- notice what the demons say. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. Now, the question was, why would Jewish people have swine? Some people think there was this undercover business they were doing here. So all the demons now are speaking, at least 2,000 of them, and begged them, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. We don't know why. Jesus can do what he wants to, right? I have no idea why. But Jesus gave them permission. He saw maybe to stop this business. Because Jews weren't supposed to have pigs anyway. Okay, They think it was some black market thing going on. And look, and they said, send us to those pigs. And then Jesus sent them to the pigs. And then notice what happens. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 pigs. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned into the sea. These herds are running. One, two, three, just jumping off the cliff into the sea. And see, that's really a picture of a lost person who does not give their life to Jesus, in a sense. Pigs jumping off violently into the sea. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? But the man, think about this. The man, in verses 1 through 3, they're not in him anymore. They're just not there. And, and, and the guy feeding the swines and the herdsmen are watching this, and they're like, look at those pigs. <laughs> there, goes our, there goes our way of making a living. There goes, there goes bacon. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever just been in a restaurant when people get done eating their food and they leave all that bacon on their their plate? Don't you go over and get it and eat it? Never mind, I don't either, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Notice, drown in the sea, and then look at the final thing, and we'll close with this. Look, notice the transformation. I love this part. It says this. So those who fed the swine fled, 
Now look, they had seen such a miraculous work of Jesus, they told it in the city and the country. Wouldn't it be great if that would be kind of our motto about Jesus? You tell it in the, in the city and in the country, we're sharing Jesus everywhere. And they went out to see what had happened. The people went out to see. Then they came to Jesus, because everybody knew about this man. And they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. They're like, what happened to this guy? This naked guy who was screaming, yelling, trying to kill people, strongest, most evil, violent man on the planet, is sitting clothed in his right mind. Don't you love to see people come to know Jesus? Don't you, see, don't you love to see people that are lost, saved? Don't you love it? Yesterday, we went to uh, one of those corn maze things. You ever went to one of those? We went, we went through the kids' corn maze, right? And you can get lost in those things, by the way. And we're walking around, you know, taking pictures and doing all this, that, or the other. And I remember Renee said this. You hear that girl crying? There's a little girl crying, four or five years old. Guess what? She was lost. Can you imagine? She was crying. She was lost. Now think about that for a minute. I mean, I was heartbroken. Poor little girl. You're not getting out of those mazes, right? She wasn't. Walking around crying. I just felt so bad for her. And I went to her and I said, Honey, are you lost? She said, Yes. I said, Can I hold your hand? I said, I'm Jamie. And she said, Yes. And I said, Are you here with your parents? She said, Grandparents. And I said... And I saw a guy walking around looking. You know how goofy guys are when they lose something? They're just like, where did I lose it? He had a hat on, all right? I said, does he have a hat on? She said, yeah. And I said, does he have a beard? She said, yes. And I said, okay, I, I know where he's at. And I said, you just, you just walk with us. We walked out, and the grandmother saw him. That she's my age, all right? And they just ran and embraced, okay? Now think about that for a minute. A little four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old girl. Would you not help her? I mean, you would help her too, right? I mean... You would not let a four-year-old, five-year-old girl walk around lost, would you? If you do, you're probably one of the most heartless people I've ever met. Any of us would have done what I did. I want to tell you something. This man is no different. Just lost. On the inside, he's lost, right? Probably crying out for help. You know what your co-worker's doing? I was this guy. Crying out for help. You just need Jesus. That's what you need. Your uncle, who says all the bad words, you know what he needs? He needs Jesus. You know that girl that's got the reputation in the county? Everybody likes to gossip about? She needs Jesus. That's all she needs. She's lost in a corn maze. And even though you don't see it, she's crying for help. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And I'm going to ask you just to stand, not very long, with your, with, just stand with me with your heads closed and your eyes bowed. And Michael, if you'll go to that last slide, I mean with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I'm sorry. I'm, get, I'm in a corn maze right now, okay? Hey, before you, before you close your eyes, look, how many people, and I, I, I ask this question to myself, I try to evaluate myself from time to time in areas of my life, right, especially in ministry. How many people, and I ask this to myself, will be in heaven because of my witness, me personally? I don't mean that you lead them to Jesus, but you're witnessing, right? Because of me. How many people will be in heaven because of my prayers that I pray? Praying is so easy, all right? 
Jesus answered the prayers of demons, he'll answer your prayer. And how many people will be in heaven because of my service? See, if you serve here, I thank you so much. You don't have to. You work. I understand that. And I appreciate the fact that you serve. Some of you have been serving for years. Sunday school teachers, I love you. you got a little church right there. That's what you are. You're a little pastor to your people. Those of you that sing, do you realize that God honors music in the Bible? There won't be preaching in heaven. We're going to do a lot of singing, right? If you're not a part of a choir, I would encourage you to. It just blesses my heart and it'll, it'll bless other people. And then how many people are in heaven because of my giving? Jesus said this in one of his parables. Give in such a way that when you get to heaven, people will thank you for the gift you gave because they come to know Jesus. Right? These are the things that I evaluate for myself. All right? And after I pray, Sharon's going to sing. And you don't have to come to this altar. You don't have to. You can if you want to. But whatever God speaks to your heart, I would encourage you to do it today. Because the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart today. Just say yes to whatever it is. All right? And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I'll be down here. Kevin's down here. We'd love to talk to you about it. I'll talk to you about it after the service, all right? But this is your time to do business with God. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you love us. Lord, I want to thank you one day that you looked at me and you saw a man. who just needed Jesus. And Father, when you give us that kind of vision, it'll change our ministry, our careers. It'll change everything about us. Lord, give us the eyes that you have and the compassion and the heart that you have. Lord, I fall way short. And Lord, I pray that our church would have that kind of vision once again. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in the song, you respond as the Lord leads you. God bless you. I love you. If, one, if you don't take anything else away from this service today, please remember this. Look at people the way Jesus did and treat people the way Jesus did. Pray for the lost, okay, and ask God to use you in whatever ways that he can, and I, tr I promise you he will. God's heart, Jesus said that his purpose was to come and to seek and to save the lost, and that's our purpose here as well. God bless you. If you're uh, wanting to come to the new members class, 5 p.m. right over there. You can park on this side and just come through those double glass doors. God bless you. Hope you have a great Sunday and hope to see you back here this evening.